Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done to gather us into your place, your home, around your name, and in your presence. We pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit. Remove distractions from our hearts and minds as we rest in the promises that you have given us through your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, here we are as we continue on in our sermon series on words to be loved by and walk through the Ten Commandments. And today we come to the second commandment, which uh, is one that focuses in on God's name. So as we walk into this, let's first see where that word comes from and where this commandment is, of course, in Exodus 20. So if we could read that text here that we have coming up, uh, go ahead and read it along with me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. How many of you remember the second half to that verse every time you think of the commandment? Yeah. We kind of forget about that part sometimes, huh? That brings a little bit of anxiety to us because we go, wait a minute, God means this seriously. He is giving us his name, but he's also saying, now hold on a minute. There's a lot that goes along with this name. So as we think of our names for a second, I want you to think about how much power and how much importance there is in names, okay? Uh, so... I mean, just think of your own name for a moment and how much thought your parents went through to name you. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Okay? Sometimes uh, you may just carry on a familial name. There's still a lot of thought that goes into that because they're saying, here is a treasured name within our family that we want to hand down. That's beautiful when that happens. Other times, parents may look into the meaning of a name. That's often what happened in the times of the Israelites and of the Jews, and all throughout Scripture, we start to see names that have a meaning as well, and even names that get changed, right? Abram became Abraham, Sarai became Sarah, and all throughout Scripture, we start to see these names that have this depth of meaning and this wealth of information that carries along with them. I know for me personally, if you ever wanted to know, my mom actually put a lot of thought into my name. So she didn't think she was ever going to have a child, so she named me Matthew. You bring that out of the Hebrew, it means gift of God. That's not how I think of myself, by the way. I just want you to know that is not how I think of myself. That was my mother thinking she was never going to have a child, and she did. So she said, here's a gift from God. And I was her first child, so I can, you already heard a little bit earlier. So the middle name is Adam, because I was her first one. That's pretty cool. I didn't learn about that until way later in life, which I thought was really funny as well. But nonetheless, there's sometimes thought that goes into these names. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, which also means the other half of that is that God has given us his name to use. So we'll talk about that. A little bit later, okay? God's given us his name to use, and because of our corrupted sinful nature, we can misuse it as well. So let's look a little bit more at the setting where God has given us his name, this Old Testament reading that we heard earlier. I'm going to read through it again all in one shot, and then we'll focus in on a couple of spots, okay? 
Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, like the other side of Arizona, right? Far side of the desert and came to Horeb. It just sounds horrible. Came to Horeb, all right, the mountain of God. Now that would be a good thing. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. We continue on. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take your sandals off because barefoot's holier than having shoes on, especially in our office after two in the afternoon. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father. Also the God of Abraham. Also the God of Isaac. Also the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face. Because he was afraid to look at God. And we continue on. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What a beautiful thing. And then he said, I am the God of your father. Oh, this is focusing in back on this. So let's stop on this for just a second. Let's hold here for just a second. Did God immediately give Moses his name? No, not at all. He didn't say, here's my name, here's my title, here's what you need to refer to me as. Then now hold on a minute. Before I even give you my name, let me remind you of how I'm related to you, or more specifically, how you're related to me. Let me give you my relationship to you. Before you hear more about my character, before you hear more about any of these other pieces, before you hear more about my identity, let me give you my relationship. I'm the God of your father, Moses. Whether or not he told you about me, but I'm pretty sure he did because you know I'm the one that uh, needs to be shown reverence when you show up in my presence or when I show up into yours so you know something about me. But Moses, I'm the God of your father. And before that, I'm also the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, your entire lineage, Moses. I am the God of all of them, the ones that they clung to, the one that was present in all of their lives, the one that was present in the wasteland moments like the far side of the desert, and the one that was present in all of the struggles and trials and troubles. I'm that guy. I'm that one. The one that they all pointed to, Moses that God. Okay. Next verse is here. What do we have coming up after this one? So, as we look at these intimacies in names, I want you to think of things for just a second. God didn't start with his given name, because he wasn't given a name, but a name that he would have gave, right? So, your given name is going to be your first name. And we all know how nice it is when people know that first name, right? How many times have you walked into a situation where you know the face, but it's been too long since you've heard the name? You walk in, hey, bud, how, how's life? How's things? Uh, how you been? 
yeah, how's the wife? <laughs> it's hard when we don't have that interconnection and we miss that name. And there's ways which around that and we can, you know, work through different ways to make those names more prominent in front of people. But really, when it's known because of the relationship that's there, it's so natural and beautiful when those names are right there. So a given name, right? Now, a nickname. I have no idea what any of your nicknames were in high school or in college or even presently, but nicknames are even that next little level of intimacy when you've got someone so close in life that they've got a different name for you than your given name because that then isn't known to everybody. It's just known to a select few, the close one, right? We don't really have a nickname for God. Uh, we're given other names to call him by, like Lord or uh, Host of Armies, or all of those kind of names, right? And so there's different names that are there, but they're not necessarily nicknames for God. But then there's a relational name, like we were just talking about. This relational name that God has given to Abraham, or to Moses, and to Abraham, but to Moses in this setting, as he says, look, here I am as the one who has been present through all of your family lineage. For you, this is a name like father, mother, brother, sister, friend, grandma, grandpa, son, daughter. These are relational names that are really intimate, really close. My kids will walk along with me, and when we first came into this, about, you know, whenever it was, five years ago, I guess, when we first came into this setting, and they started to walk along, and they said, so, um, do we call you pastor? They said, no, no, I'm not your pastor, I'm your dad. Because in that moment, they get to call me something that none of all y'all get to call me, right? I'm their father. I'm their dad. They get to call me that. And I don't make them call me Pastor Dad either. They do that jokingly sometimes. But they can have Pastor Bob as their pastor. That's great. And I'm going to speak with a pastoral voice in the home, as all of the heads of households are called to do. But they get to call me Dad, right? Father, this relational name that's there. And it's beautiful to have those names in life. And this is a name that God actually gives us a little bit later, but we see inklings of it here with Moses. All right, so as we continue on in the text here, as we hear that again, right? I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, this relational name. All right, keep going. So the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. He's concerned about your suffering too. He's heard your crying out. He has heard all the things that you walk through, and as he is there as a relational God, he is there with open ears to hear about all of it and do something about it. I've heard it, and I'm sending you, right? So Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. This is where it gets good. Suppose I go to them, O God of my father and lineage and forefather. Say I go to them, and they say, who is it that sent you, Moses? Because we don't quite trust you. What is his name? Right? If they were to ask this question, and then what shall I say to them? And God said, Moses, I am who I am. Yahweh, 
I will be who I will be. Think about the beautiful things in this. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. There's a few things we get from that beautiful name, all right? This name that we're called to not misuse, but this name that we're also called to use. There's a few things we get from this name. First off, in that name, I am is a sense of unchangeability, right? I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to make it a word for today. It is a name that is unchanging. It is a name that is ever the same. It's a name that nothing can affect it and make it different than what it is. It is solid. It is concrete. It is there with nothing that is going to erode it whatsoever. I am. Now, the other piece that we get with that as we think of God's name is not only that it's never changing and always is, but it's always present. If you are somewhere, you are present there. You currently are in God's house. It does not mean you're at home or watching a baseball game. You are here. In God, that's exactly what he promises through his name. I am. Except he's everywhere. (laughs) So he's never changing and he's always present. And then we also get this last bit of his name where he's never changing and he's always present to hear your suffering. And I don't have all the little pieces of this part, I'm sorry, but when we're honoring God's name, when we're thinking of God's name, we remember that he is never changing, so nothing can change him. He's always present. And he's present to hear you. He's present in your suffering. He's present in the far side of the desert on the way to Horeb on his mountain, right? He's present there in the middle of all the places where you think you are far and distant from him and all the places maybe you have taken yourself that's far and distant from him. And he says, no, I'm present and I love you. I am here to hear your worries. I am here to hear your concerns. I'm here to hear all of what you want to lay upon me because I am present with you and I care for you. I've heard your sufferings, I've heard your cryings, and I'm going to send somebody into your life to speak my words into your ears so you would know of my love for you. That's who our God is. He's never changing. He's always present. And he is love, right? So in thinking of through how we can misuse God's name, think way back into the catechism days, right? You should uh, not misuse the name of the Lord your God, or you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, lie, deceive, use satanic arts, or call upon it in any way that would misuse it or break it down. Okay, in that moment, we're talking about reputation. Did you ever know anybody in life whose family reputation in their last name was really good until that one kid, until that one that came along and sullied the reputation of the family name, right? There can be shame and dishonor brought to a family because of the way somebody acts within the name of that family. 
though in wanting to take care of his creation, God says, here's my name and my reputation as the one that loves you and cares for you and guides you and leads you and has set everything in order, and I don't want you to sully that reputation at all, and so don't misuse my name. Because if somebody outside of our little group of the Israelites, Moses, if somebody outside of my people hears or thinks that I act in a way that is not true because of the way that someone acted in my name, it's not going to be good for them. They're going to think that I'm not loving. So he gives this word to his people. First he gives his name, I am, and then he says, now, when you use my name, talk about it. Talk about it to the children. Talk about it to the people. When you speak my name, speak about it with honor. You're not going to use it to lie, deceive, curse, swear, like you might curse all of the auto parts that break in the middle of an engine when you're working on it, or the side table when you stub your toe on it. And you're not going to swear to call upon God's reputation to make you look better than you are, and like you're going to fulfill a promise that really you have no intention of fulfilling. Now we're not going to do those things in God's name, and that's what he calls us to not do, right? But he says, speak my name. Use it. It's really interesting. Did you ever look through, I know you've looked through your Bibles, but when you look through your Bibles and you look through the Old Testament, where do you get to actually read the word Yahweh? You're all looking at me stunned. You should. Because in most of our English translations, it's not there. But that's the name he gave. So why don't we see it? Why isn't it present? Why don't we write that in there and instead we see Lord in all capitals? Well, that, he didn't say my name is Adonai, which is the Hebrew for Lord. He didn't say my name is Elohim. That's what the Hebrews would call him as the God piece, right? But he said my name is Yahweh. See, after the Babylonian exile with Daniel and that whole time and the Jews went back, so that's like 6th century B.C., from around that time to 3rd century B.C. in that time, all of the Israelites got so worried about misusing God's name that they decided we're never going to say it, ever. Even though it's written in Scripture, we're not going to say his name at all. So instead, what we're going to do is every time we see his name in Scripture, we're going to say Adonai. And so when they're in the synagogue and when they're speaking the Hebrew and when they're going through Exodus and they're going through all of the history of everything, they would read in their mind Yahweh, but they would say with their voice Adonai. And then as the scribes of all those days wanted to carry that forward, they'd put a little note in the side that says, when you see this, say this. And then when that all got translated later in history into other languages, they started to take the Y, the H, the W, and the H, which all have different names in Hebrew, of course, but then they took the vowels, the, the sounds in between the consonants from Adonai, and they put it underneath it. And then you get a very familiar name, Yehovah. That's not written anywhere in Scripture. It's a made-up name. But it's a made-up name with a good intent to not misuse God's name. It's also a great evangelism tool. If you're ever speaking or talking with anybody who has a Jewish lineage or of a Jewish faith or religion, the moment you say Yahweh, they're going to stop listening. Jehovah is fine. Adonai is fine. Lord is fine. We all know what God's talking about. 
And he's still going to work through those words to point them to himself as he loves them. So we speak his name. We talk about it with our children. We talk about it with our family. We talk about it within our circles as well as we speak God's name in truth and purity to point to who he actually is. Okay, how else can we honor his name as God loves us by his name? We can pray with it. So what's he called you to do? Well, like we said before, there's ways to misuse his name and there's ways to use his name. And in using his name, we get to pray to him we get to praise him, and we get to give thanks. So what's it mean to pray to him? Well, it means to lay on him all your worries. When there's something weighing on you, and you know that you can't do anything about it, when those sins creep up in life, and those things happen that you hear the words come out of your mouth, and you know that they just hurt somebody, and you wish you could reel them back in or the actions that you've done with your hands, or even the ways in which we've taken God's name and been silent about it and not talked about it, possibly within our own families or even to one another. We lay that on God. God, I'm worried about the consequences of this because you're not going to hold anybody guiltless who misuses your name, and I can see how I haven't used your name in the way I should, and God, I'm worried about that because I know it's a sin and I know it's terrible, and I'm sorry. Or other words, the things and places where you feel out of control. When you're hearing that diagnosis in the doctor's office, when the heartbeat of a little one starts to drop, whatever those may be, these places in which we feel like we're out in the middle of the desert, on the far side of the desert as Moses was, and we feel distant, just pray to me. Let me know you're worried. I hear your suffering. And then praise. You can praise him with all of the joys, right? You can praise him with all these things. And we're going to get to this one here. So hold on on this slide. We're getting right to it. And so we praise him, right? And then we can give thanks to him. And as the disciples came to Jesus, they even said, how should we pray? It's been generation after generation after generation that we haven't necessarily used his name, so how do we pray? And Jesus points them right back to the same sort of name that God gave to Moses initially when God said, here's my relationship with you. Jesus said, oh, you call him Father. You don't need to call him Almighty Creator of the entire universe. That's in most of the older world prayers. You don't have to call him the one above all things and all of that. Those are true and good and proper names. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. You get to call him Father. Can you imagine being hearing for the first time that you get to call the one who put everything into order Father? That's an amazing name to hold on to. That's the name that you get to call God as well. Abba, Father. One who I know loves me. One who I know that's there to protect me. One who I know is there because you have put yourself in the middle of my life to be able to grab a hold of me and call me your very own child. It says, pray, Father. Hallowed be your name. Your name be made holy in all things. Okay, so we get to speak it, we get to pray it, and then we also get to live in it. 
Think of all the horrible things that have happened throughout all history in God's name, from the Crusades to the KKK to misusings of his name and deceptions by his name by any cult leader that wanted to call upon something powerful to uh, push forth their own agenda, right? A misuse of his name. But he calls you as his child, baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of Christ and raised again to new life in this beautiful righteousness of Christ with a heart that has been changed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, one that has compassion, one that looks out for the good of others. God then says, here's my name to give to people. Here's my name to speak into people's ears. Here's my name so that they would know that the creator of all things also calls them into his presence as a child and he will be their father. As he is your father because of what Christ has done for you. Our brother, very son of the father and second person of the Trinity, this one that was there from the before the beginning of all things, as the Father was as well, the one who took on our flesh so that he would die for our sins and raise us to his position in the family, one who would inherit the kingdom. That's what you have as a child of God. You get to be counted as a son and daughter of the Most High, as one who belongs in the family, who carries the family name, what a beautiful name to carry. It's wrapped around you in that promise in the waters of baptism. And as God continues to work by His Holy Spirit to lead you in that family name, to know that you have a Father above all things who's present with you, who isn't changing, and who loves you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done to make us your children. We pray that you would continue to guide us by your Holy Spirit as we rest in the work that our dear brother Jesus has done to make us children of your family, to carry your family name, and to know that you love us and continually bring us into your presence where we will hear the forgiveness of our sins as you guide us and lead us and send us out to speak your name into the words of all that would hear it so they would know of a love that can come from nowhere else. In Jesus' name, amen.